0: Ed, others, any of the leaders here in the church, anybody you see standing up here, uh, just let them know and and we can put you in in touch with the right folks who can help you no matter matter what's going on in your life. Amen? That is a a blessing, a responsibility we have for the church to take care of one another, no matter what's going on in your life. You're my responsibility. The downside of that is that I'm your responsibility. (laughs) That's where it's going to get messy. Amen? amen <laughs> yeah yeah we don't mind doing for others uh it's when they have to do for us that it kind of makes us uncomfortable right Amen. for me anyway i i went away this week to to went to michigan flew up flew back but on the way back last night i went to, before i went to go to the airport i checked my flight and it had been delayed <clears throat> you ever had that experience i'm sure we all have but i get to the airport and it wasn't the, it was a the, the connecting flight so it wasn't the first flight first flight was on time it was the connecting flight that had me delayed so i didn't get in until ooh, really early saturday morning um <clears throat> but how i got to thinking as i'm sitting there how hard it is to wait when you have some place that you'd rather be right i mean at two o'clock in the morning there were a lot of places i'd rather be than 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 waiting than wanting to be there right i wanted i wanted to already be there that time of waiting man it's hard it doesn't really matter i guess it does matter what you're waiting for but i remember as a kid i couldn't wait to grow up Right? I couldn't wait for Christmas. I couldn't wait for all these things that now that they've happened, I'm like, oh, I wish they'd slow down, right? At the time, though, we, we can't wait. And, and even still, even as an adult, when, uh, occasionally when I have to wait, it's hard. It's hard waiting. It, the test result. You know, I had a friend that had a, a biopsy, and he had to wait for like two weeks. I'm like, how? That is awful to like tell somebody. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, and, and it's going to be in two weeks. I'm like, what? That's the kind of thing you got to be able to turn around with, like fast. I'm thinking, but no, they want to be sure, and whatever the tests they have to do, it takes some time. Sometimes we don't want, like to wait. None of us do. Here we have in our walk through the the the, the Book of Acts, and I probably got a, a clicker up here somewhere, Don or Brad. I don't know where it is. Oh, uh, on the, the baptistry font. <coughs> the place I'd never find it. Thank you, thank you, Ed. <coughs> and I just want to say thanks to Ed because. Uh, we found out last night that Janet wasn't going to be here, that she's sick. So Ed said, oh yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no problem, Ed says. Uh, so so aside with that, any of you who have musical gifts, musical talent in any shape, form, or fashion, it doesn't matter if you played spoons when you were a kid, <clears throat> come on, join join in the party. It's fun, I promise. Uh, please let them know, let me know that... that doesn't matter what your skill level is. I know that during Advent, the, the choir is going to be singing. So if, if you like to sing, come on. Come on and join. Join in the fun. It is, I promise. I promise. I wouldn't lie to you about that. Maybe about waiting. But I tell you, you're not going to have to wait to see. you have already like, get, is he going to get back to the point? You're already tired of waiting, right? That's how we are. Today, we're in the, studying the book of Acts, walking our way through. We're in Acts chapter 2. If you want to follow me, we're in a, uh, probably one of the most controversial, areas of the book of Acts uh, and I'm not one to shy away from a little bit of controversy. So uh, we're going to dig in to see what happened here. What, what, what was so controversial, right? If you, have your, you brought your Bible with you, I encourage you to, to open it up and join me. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read the first 12 verses, 13 maybe, but first verse 12 verses anyway. It begins, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? That's a good question for us today. What does this mean? What is this? What is going on here? What is happening? What does this mean? Great question. What's striking about the question is that the disciples, the disciples, the ones who asked this, weren't disciples. The ones who were asking the question were the ones who were hearing it. It's like the disciples were just doing their thing, but others are asking. Those who were gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost were the ones who were asking the question here. Let me, let me back up and give you a, a pause for a minute and give you just a little background of what's What's happening? We know this to be Pentecost, right? We always celebrate it the, the, the fifth or sixth Sunday after Easter. But pente means five, so it's the fifth, ten-day period after the Passover for, for the Jews. The tenth, fifth-day period, 50 days after the Passover. Wasn't referred to as Pentecost, though, for them. At the time, it was referred to as the, the, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest. You may have heard it if you familiar with the Old Testament, or the Day of First Fruits. It was a harvest festival. It was a celebration. It was one of three pilgrimages where all men were required to return to Jerusalem. And, Kurt, any other farmers that are here, you know that, that the fall vacation is a little better than the summer vacation. Why? Because summer, you're not sure how much money you got. But in the fall, you're pretty sure, I got this. So we're going to go out and eat a little nicer place in the fall after the harvest. Summertime, things are a little tighter. Springtime, before the harvest, when Easter, when, when Passover would be, right, in February, April, before the harvest, eh, they're going to they're gonna hang on, so they're not going to travel. But this one, this is, this is three months later, two months later. This is when everybody's coming. They're going to bring the family. They're going to bring the kids. Because this one, they can, they can splurge a little bit on. So everybody's coming to this. So the, the town of Jerusalem is filled with people from all these cities, as we read this feast of weeks but not only that it was also at the the holiday where they recognized that it was the coming of the law from Mount Sinai if you remember back in the Old Testament 50 days after the Passover 3 months after the Passover was when the law came down when Moses brought the law down to the people and this was their celebration of that event this is how they celebrated the, the coming of the law so here we have Jerusalem filled with people from all over celebrating a harvest celebrating the, the the gift of the law God's provision for them in every way not just their life the food that they would eat but their spiritual life as well their, their identity they're celebrating it all and God chooses this moment to do something special But what happened what does this mean our minds are immediately drawn to this idea of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people of God, right? As we read this text, that's what we think of as Pentecost, is that the Spirit of God appears like like a rushing wind, a violent wind, like a tornado, you know, that I, I, if he would have known what a train sounded like, he would have probably written like a train in the living room, but there was no train, right? Because that's what we think of, that rushing wind, that, but there is no wind. It's just the sound of that rushing wind—how disorienting would that be like the sound of a violent wind from heaven like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest above each one in the room filling them with the Holy Spirit enabling them to under, to be understood in in different languages this is one part of our Christian walk I believe that is very mysterious right I don't know if any of you ever think that, that this idea of, of speaking in tongues is natural, normal. It's not. It's special. Of all the spiritual gifts that God gives His people, this one this one is more questioned, I believe more misunderstood and more disagreed about in the church than any other gift. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because the book of Acts comes back to this subject again and again and again. So we'll have plenty of time to to dissect it as we walk through this book, but, but I'm, I'm, I will speak to it in a, in just a moment. But, but what's amazing to me is if you just look at the text in your Bible, there's like two paragraphs, right? One is pretty short, and one is pretty long. The long one is not about the spirit. The long one is about the people's response to it. I think that's intriguing. How people responded to the spirit moving in disciples is the thing that that gets the most attention by Dr. Luke who wrote this book for us. I mean, when you think about it, if we had just walked up into the room, if you and I had just walked up, right? The sound of the wind, the the fire on people's heads, or or what appeared to be like fire on people's heads, we would have been tempted to think the same things that they're thinking in the text. Who are these people? Aren't these the hicks from Galilee? Aren't these the guys that, that, like, just... Isn't this just the guys off the boat? How is this happening? I mean, what I hear is gibberish in my ears, but but I understand it perfectly. What is going on here? What does this mean? It's as though, and it really is, that the words that they're speaking, the words that they're speaking, have been given some supernatural presence. That their words communicate things that... The ones who are speaking them don't really understand it struck me as i was reading this text again and again this week that when was the last time where there was such a gathering of this and i've been wrestling with in, in scripture when when did people gather when did a gathering of people like this happen And I know in in Revelation it's promised that people from every tribe and every nation are going to gather together, right? But this text said that every every nation under God is gathered here, like people representing those nations are gathered in Jerusalem at this time. When was the last time that happened? I had to go all the way back to the Tower of Babel when their languages were disrupted, were confused, and the people were scattered. What does that tell us? It tells us that, that God is undoing that. God is in the process of maybe overriding that, that confusion of language that set, was set in. If you go back and read in Genesis chapter 11, what were they doing in the Tower of Babel? Right? They were building a tower to heaven. For what? For their name. They were building it to build a name for themselves so that they would be known. That was their point. And what's God doing here? Well, because they were doing it for their own glory God confused them and scattered them and now God is gathering them back to he's doing the gathering he's simplified their language again through the Spirit he's doing this and what are the because what are the disciples doing now they were waiting upon the Lord and they were testifying about Jesus they were filled with this because they were doing it for his glory you see God is bringing it all back together and he's like he's shouting it out right here that, that okay we're doing a reset now this is where it starts all over now you can build for my kingdom because I'm gonna give you my spirit and that's gonna that's gonna help you that's gonna be the way that you're gonna do it is through my spirit he's making things plain for them again. when the disciples were testifying to what God had done in Christ not in themselves God undoes this curse for His glory, right? I mean, Jesus had told them that this was going to happen in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He had said, oh, nope, I don't have it in there. He had said, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by. I'm not going to tell you when this is going to happen, but I'm doing it for my glory. The Father has done this by His authority. This is now the time of His choosing. This this part that we're reading is the time of His choosing. In His own way, according to His own plan. The the thing that they've been looking forward to is now. Is now. God draws them together, unconfuses their languages for them. But this is just the beginning. This is the beginning of something tremendous. But how did it happen? How did it happen? Like, Like, what... What happened so that this happened? What did they do? How did they get this to, to ha- work in their lives? I mean, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. But how? How We, we want to know that, right? We want to know that so we can, we, can do, we can participate. We can experience this same thing. That's, that's our desire today, that we would live into a, a, a new start of what God is going to do. So we too need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each one of us. Each and every one of us. Verse 8 of, chapter, of Acts chapter 1. Jesus told them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will receive power. It's coming. Jesus made them a promise. Up until this point, in the Bible, people always ask, well, where was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, right? Up until this point, the Holy Spirit's been at work in people's lives. He would come into the on the scene, he would move, and then he would pass. And he would show up and he would move in people's lives and then he would move. I mean, you think of Noah, right, building the ark. I mean, how did he know? Angel of the Lord told him. There was Joseph, Gideon, Samson, King Saul, David, Isaiah. I mean, we could go on and on and on of the people who experienced the Spirit of God. God would come alongside at particular times. But this is different. This thing at Pentecost, this thing 50 days after the resurrection, this is different. This time the Holy Spirit is filling His people. This is unique. I think if I were a disciple at the time, and Jesus said, if Jesus said, you know, I'm a." Send the Spirit and it's better for me to leave than me to stay. So I'm gonna send the Spirit when I leave. Well when Jesus left, what would I have been doing? I would have been looking for the Spirit. I'd been looking for it. Where's where's where is he? I'm gonna go outside because I miss Jesus. I don't want to be out here on my own, so I'm gonna go look for the Spirit. Where's spirit? Where are you? I'd have been asking. I've been asking, have you seen it? Have, have you seen it? Has it come to you? Because he promised it was gonna come, but yeah, I don't know that it's come that's where I would have been but that's not where the disciples are. Where are the disciples they're waiting they're not searching after the Spirit of God they're waiting they're waiting on the Spirit just like Jesus told them go back to Jerusalem and wait now, I, I feel like a lot of our Christian faith is about running after God actually it's a book chasing God right that a lot of times we feel like we have to do and do and do and do and do in order to, that we, we get the Spirit or we get, feel connected. we got to stay busy in our faith so that we get connected to God again. <laughs> and and, and just, he told the disciples, just wait upon me. Now, they, they, weren't, they weren't waiting like I, like I did this weekend while uh, I was helping my daughter move in. She had to put her bed together, and I, was, I refused to, to, I didn't refuse, but she didn't ask me to come back there and help, which that was fine with me. So while I was waiting, I turned on Netflix. You know what we do? When we wait today, we're we're occupying our time. We're just, what's on? Right? We scroll through. We, We don't, that's what I think of as waiting, but that's not the kind of waiting that the disciples would do. The disciples, they were waiting actively. They were in prayer. They were in worship. They were, they were waiting, yes, but they were, they were waiting on the Spirit. They weren't going to leave without the Spirit, but they were, they were waiting by engaging in God. They weren't just kicking back with their feet up. Well, maybe they had their feet up, but they, they, were, they were engaged in the Lord's, in the Lord, in the, in the relationship with Him. Three things here. First, they were waiting in the promises of Jesus. Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come that they were, they were probably a little concerned about all the things that, that they knew were about to happen, or they could imagine were about to happen. Because Jesus had been killed. They're probably pretty anxious about, oh my goodness, are they coming after us too? Are they, are, we're next, right? We're next, right? But He said, He promises, He promises not to fear that He's coming back. We can wait in the promises of Jesus because God knows. God knows. What our tomorrow is. So when you wait, wait in the promises that God has for your tomorrow. That's how we're to wait, like the disciples in the promises of Jesus. But the disciples also waited in faith. They waited in faith. I mean, they were actively engaged in prayer and worship, and, and they were unified. They were unified. They were together. I might step on some toes, but that's all right. Uh, I love you. Uh, A couple weeks ago, or several times, you know, we're we're working through a merger conversations here in our churches, and we don't know how that's going to look. But one thing that the disciples wanted to be was together. They wanted to be unified. They wanted to be because they were. They loved the same Christ. They couldn't be divided. They wanted to be together. well, so-and-so likes to pray this way. Fine, pray that way. I'm going to pray that uh, way. Okay, we'll pray that way, and then we're going to pray this way. Like like they didn't get caught up in personal preferences in the way they thought was the right way to do this or that. They didn't get caught up. The, the right thing was Jesus. That was it. The right thing was to wait upon the Lord, to, to live into their relationship with Him. That was the right thing. they waited in faith knowing that he was going to keep his promises knowing that that he was going to do we often wonder God's will right? you ever ever struggle with that what is God's will for this we often think about that I don't know how many young people have asked I'm I'm sure they've asked Tom I'm sure they've asked Mary and Clyde what what is God's will for me right now and and what they want is should I turn right or should I turn left Right? That's, what we, that's the kind of direction that we want from God. But what is really God's will for our lives? To be in a relationship with Him. That's really, I believe that's really it. You can go right or left. It doesn't matter. Just go with Him. Just go with Him. Go in a relationship with God. Glorify Him with your whole life. That's it. That's His will for our lives, that we would walk with Him wherever we go wherever we go. And that's what the disciples were doing. They felt like we should probably be doing something different, but I'm going to wait in faith. I'm going to wait in faith. I'm going to be with Jesus. And he said, wait. I'm going to wait. Because I know this is what he wanted for me right now. He told me directly. Right? So they were fine to wait. They also waited in weakness, not confidence. They waited in weakness, not confidence. Jesus told him a couple of passages back in John chapter 14. Jesus told him, he said, all this I've spoken while I was with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled. He's making promises. He's saying, wait, that you're going to be afraid, but don't be troubled. He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands. Ask, I will ask the Father, and He will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever. I think this is the biggest thing. I think this is absolutely the biggest thing that holds us back from experiencing a life filled with the Holy Spirit. A Spirit-filled life. I think this is the one thing that we want to operate, you and I, I mean, I'm... I'm not judging you. Trust me. I, I, I struggle with this too. That I want to operate out of confidence and not weakness. I don't like doing things that I don't feel comfortable doing. Does anybody? Does anybody like putting themselves out there when, like, I don't know what I'm doing? How would you feel this morning, Ed? <laughs> Did will it feel good? You want to do it again? Yeah, so, so we're going to have a hymn sing next week for Ed. <laughs> You're just going to throw it. In. No, we, nobody like it. We we practice, we want to do all those things right. We don't like being thrown into stuff, right? We want to feel confident. And yet, God says, it's in your weakness. Paul said it, he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. What he was saying is that when I'm weak and when I'm in those places where I I have no resort but to rely on God, then I'm strong. That's what he's saying. And that's what the disciples were, were displaying here. I, I went to Michigan to help my daughter move. Uh, she could have invite, asked friends to help, but she said all her friends had to work or were in school or whatever, and nobody could help her. Uh, I said, "Well, you can hire somebody," and she said, "Well, you know, <laughs> are you gonna pay for it?" And I was like, "No." Uh, <laughs> I said, "But well, I guess I did pay for it because I went out there to move for." It. <laughs> but for her, she didn't have the money to spend on somebody to move. She didn't have friends who could help her. So what did she do? She asked her father to step in. She asked her father to step in. In her inadequacy, right, where she was inadequate to, it, it, it released something in me, my ability, my sufficiency. And I believe when we do that, with, when we approach God the same way, that we, when we, in, in our inadequacy, it releases. When we, when we just rest there, when we wait there, it's when God shows up. And and we're able to do things we didn't think we could. Where we can't, he can. If we just wait. Don't 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 get to a point where oh I can't do that. I better turn. No, no, no. Just wait. Who knows? Who knows what's on the other side of waiting? Right? We all oftentimes we don't know what's on the other side of waiting. Because we don't, right? Maybe that's just me. We don't wait. We look for an alternative better way. Some of us are here today tired. Tired. Tired of waiting. Tired of searching. Tired of being tired. (laughs) Tired of things not going according to plan. So let me just encourage you with a reminder today that God moves according to His plan. Not our expectations. According to His plan. He he always has. And the good news is that He always will. This is just the way God moves. According to His plan. It's pointless to chase after God, to to chase after His power. But we can wait. We can wait on God. We can wait on His power. We can wait expecting God to keep His promises. Expecting God because He will show up. That's his promise. We can wait and receive what God has for us, trusting him and his way and his will to be better than anything that we could conjure up on our own. Because our inadequacy releases God's sufficiency. So what does this mean for us today? What does all this mean for us today? Now that God has sent His Spirit, what it means is that that His Spirit is here, the Holy Spirit is here for all of us. For you. For me. For every one of us. You don't need to be a special kind of Christian to to earn His, His Spirit. It's a gift. The point of a gift is that you didn't earn it. It was given to you. Every Christian is given the Holy Spirit. Every Christian receives the Holy Spirit when they're saved. I mean, there, there's a lot of disagreement about this. You may have grown up in churches that didn't really teach it that way, but I'm just telling you what, what the what the Bible says. John chapter three verse five says, "Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water and the Spirit." You Can't get there without the Spirit of God, can you? You can't be saved without the Spirit of God. That's what saves us. His grace is. Him being in us is what transforms us. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians one twenty-two. He, he said His seal of ownership on us. How does God know we're Christians? He sealed us. He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. That's how He guarantees what is to come. By His Spirit being alive in us. That's the thing that carries us into our eternity. The Spirit of God. When you when you come to trust in Jesus for salvation, you get everything. You get the gifts of God. You get, you get His presence in your life. But I don't feel it, preacher. Fair enough. I grew up in a church that, uh, that, that viewed the, the use of spiritual gifts as uh, human manifestations, right? It was, it was our effort to be holy. That's the way the church I grew up in uh, viewed those things, is our trying to, to be holy, our seeking to be holy by exercising the gifts. But that's not the way the Bible describes gifts, particularly the gifts of tongues. And the Spirit of God will never work against His Word, which He wrote, right? And because He won't work against His Word, we have to go to what Scripture says about the gift of tongues and every other gift. But today I want to just stop for a second and talk about these tongues, so I think some of us have some misunderstandings about and I just want to clear that up but like I said we're going to spend more time on this later on in Acts but, but right now I know we come from all different places on our spiritual journey right none of us were I've evolved, well some of us have always been in this sanctuary but, but not many of us right not many of us so I'm going to try to explain from a, a Wesleyan from a Methodist point of view right <clears throat> understanding that, that anything I say needs to be consistent with scripture so um uh, I'm going to take us to, if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I don't have it on the screen, unfortunately. <clears throat> oh, do I? Okay. Amen. Didn't think I did. <clears throat> now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one, that's all y'all. Or all us. Right? That's, that's all us. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the spirit of a message of wisdom. To another a a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by by the one spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to all and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. Just as he determines. Just as the Holy Spirit determines. He decides which gifts you have. But but everybody has one. Wait. If 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 you're not aware of the spiritual gifts that you have been given, wait. Ask God to show them to you. Ask him. He wants you to know because he's been given he's given them to you for a purpose and you've been given it for just as he determined just as God decided to gift you years ago when I like I grew up where speaking in tongues was not something that any insane normal person would ever do um, or salt water do even right it was, it was not a good thing to seek that as I came to Christ, I was around some people who did and and I wanted that gift I wanted to be able to do that. And so uh, how do you how do you get that? They said ask Ask, ask God to give it to you It's <laughs> all right. And so I prayed and 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 I prayed I prayed I wanted I, I wanted that I wanted to be able to do that I don't know why I, But I did Never I, that's not a spiritual gift of mine. I came to realize what God was teaching me through this was that don't chase after the gift, but the one who, like chase after me, like like seek to be with me, fellowship with me. And God was saying, if I want you to have it, I'll give it to you. And He hasn't. He's given me other gifts. He says, use those. That's what he keeps telling you. Use the ones that you've already got. Do what what I'm asking you to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are gifted. Just as he determines. You may not know what those gifts are, but I'm telling you, you have them. All of them are for one purpose. Paul goes on in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, to explain why we are to use our gifts. Why it's so important that we use our gifts. He explains it in 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong, a blank, plain, somebody. All of our spiritual gifts are led to love. Loving God, loving our neighbor, loving His church, building up the church. That's what all these gifts are for, is an expression of God's love for us and through us the world that's what they're all about I went to the Mississippi State University I'm wearing our colors today uh, because we didn't lose <coughs> we didn't play but we didn't lose <laughs> right Artie? <laughs> sometimes you got to take a win wherever you can get it and but it where I went to school they have a, a tradition uh, and that is the cowbell and so if, you could, if you've seen a cowbell before, I'm talking about big cowbells. I mean, mine, Michelle and I have them. They're about yay long. I mean, they're big, huge, noisy things. And if you can just imagine a stadium of however many thousand people and everybody's ringing one, some people ring two. It is terrible. There's nobody ever said, other than the, the funny line on, on Saturday Night Live, what we need is more cowbell. No one ever said that because it's it gets under your skin it just it irritates you it's loud it's 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 not pleasing in any way the Spirit is all about love it's not about just noise the Spirit of God is all about love and he gives us his gifts so that we can express that love to the people around us I mean you think about where we are at Pentecost right I mean they've they've been given the ability to speak in languages that were unknown so that others could hear about the glory of God and Jesus. It's love. its the whole point of it. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 14, he says this, the, the using of the gifts. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Follow the way of love and desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, he says. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to, to people, but to God. But to God the only way the only purpose of speaking in tongues is a message to God you hear that it's it's for God to hear it's not for one another it's not for us indeed he says he goes on in verse 2 no one understands them they utter mysteries by the Spirit speaking in tongues is a gift given for God to hear so this is happening here in this speaking in tongues so, so whenever, uh, I remember, I was, we used to pray before our worship services in my home church, and uh, I was praying with this lady who was, you know, a matriarch in the church. Everybody respected her, and here I am, a and, um, I know nothing. And I know a little bit. So I, we're praying before the worship service, and we pray during the worship service, the pastor and the people who are leading worship and, and all that. So we're just back in behind the sanctuary, just praying, and she starts praying in tongues. And I said, and she asked, she said, do you mind if I pray in tongues? I was like I guess I don't know and she began and and then I was like yeah can we not do that can we not do that and she said why I said because it's really distracting I have no clue what you're saying and I'm trying to understand it I'm not praying here I'm just trying to she said fine because it's for God it's not for us it's not it's not something we use for one another it's solely a gift to be used for the glory of God we're going to come back to the the gift of tongues again but just know that, that in scripture what it is it is a, an utterance that's unknown, under, not understood to me but understood to God and in this story what we have at Pentecost is God then translates that for the people who are hearing it the people from Galilee are just speaking gibberish or their own their own language but it's being heard in a different language God takes what we say does something with it and communicates it for others we all have been given a spiritual gift. Maybe it's tongues. Maybe you have the gift of tongues. Maybe. But you have something. Do you know what it is? I have some questions there in today's program for you to take home and, and really try to figure out what your gifts are. Let me wrap this up because we're, we're behind here. We walk in the Spirit by remaining in Jesus. Simply that. We, 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 could, we live in the Spirit of God. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. And we walk in the Spirit by remaining close to Jesus. In in John chapter 15, where Jesus is telling the the story of the the vine dresser, and and that He is the vine, and we remain in Him. Remain, 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 remain. He says over and over again in that passage, remain in me, and I remain in you. We We walk in the Spirit of God by remaining in Christ. We receive the Spirit the moment we're saved. And we remain in Him And we continue to walk in the Spirit. This this gift of the Spirit, the seal upon our heads, is a promise, right? It's, It's God's promise. It's His showing us that He's at work in our lives, that we are saved. Last thing I want to say about the Spirit, that it is a being filled with the Spirit of God. We receive the Spirit when we're saved, but we are continually filled with the Spirit. We are to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. It's not a one and done experience. Receiving the Spirit is a one-time deal, but being filled with the Spirit is a continual process—a walk with Jesus. We know Peter, right? You know, think of Peter as being the—and he was like the leader of the disciples. He was the guy, and yet he received the Spirit just so far that we've read in in John chapter twenty, Jesus blew the Spirit of God upon the disciples. In Acts chapter 2, the, they received the Holy Spirit. They were filled. The tongues of fire came to rest upon them. And then in Acts chapter 4, because Peter's going to start preaching next week, in Acts chapter 4, while he's preaching, the Spirit of God was upon him again. He was filled with the Spirit again. Filled, filled, Like all the time, he's receiving the Spirit of God. It, it's something that that we are to, to, to seek to be continually filled, knowing that it's not just a one-time thing. We... We need to be continually filled and continually pouring out the Spirit of God. Letting it work through us. Letting it work through us. Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, he said, be be, be filled with the Spirit. And and the the language that he used is a a constant. Being filled. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled. Allow the Spirit to continually fill your hearts. I encourage you. In the today's text, not to get too caught up in this gift of tongues. If you have it, great. Use it for the glory of God. Use it for the glory of God. If you have another gift, but you do, use it for the glory of God. Whatever you have. Some of you it's it, it is prophecy. Some of you it is music, singing, some of you it is teaching. Like, like, use it to build up the church. And it may not be something that you may not think is super spiritual. You may just be an administrator. That may be your thing. Like, you love counting stuff. Do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Know that, know that where you can. not If you want to know where your, your gift is, right, where you need it most is, is where you're inadequate. Where you can. At the end of you is the Holy Spirit where, where you are uncomfortable doing something just might be the place where the Holy Spirit wants to use you your spiritual gift may not be something that you're just natural at it might be something pretty unique it might be something you never imagined it might be something that your church is desperate for that your community needs use your gift us God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that, that you are sufficient for all things. I ask you, Lord, that you would teach us how we're gifted, how you have created us for your glory, how you want to do things in us and through us that we can just barely imagine. Speak to us, Lord. Show us your way. We love you. Amen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> We have one hymn to close with, um, but before we do, when you came in, I think everybody you may have been given, or you may not have, a flyer um, regarding. What is, where is it? There it is. <coughs> uh, the The shoebox ministry, their, uh, what are they calling it? What are you calling it? Uh, the silent auction bake sale. Bake sale was the word I was trying to think. Of. Uh, <coughs> that's going to be November the 11th. Uh, I encourage you, please reach out and help out. Uh, be, take, a, take part. Uh, all kinds of information there. If you don't have one of these flyers, I think there might be in the in the narthex as you leave. Uh, just pick one up, all right? Going on in the life of the church this week. I know there, there are meetings and all kinds of stuff, but, but I the best thing we could do this week is to wait upon the Lord. So wait upon the Lord. Wait and see what he's going to do in you and through you, how he wants to gift you how he wants to use the gifts you've already been given. If you're not sure, ask him what it is. He wants to show you. Amen? Amen, amen. I invite you, if you would, to join us. Stand and sing.